We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 309 here on WWL Radio. About 51 minutes to go before I hand it over to Sports Talk. Full four hours tonight. They just have three hours tomorrow because then we're going to have a Thursday night football on Tampa Bay at Buffalo. Uh, we're going to join that pregame at 7 o'clock and we're going to have kickoff at 720. Remember, you can stream Thursday night football on your mobile phone, tablet, your smart speakers. Just tell your smart speaker, whichever one you got, play WWL. It's that easy. Joining me on the line right now is Warren Luckett. Mr. Luckett is one of the founders of Black Restaurant Week, reading now from their press release here. The odds are continuously stacked against black-owned culinary businesses, and their survival is still in jeopardy as they face constant economic downturns due to recovering from the pandemic while coping with inflation. Mr. Luckett, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time. Ian, thanks so much for having me, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I cannot complain, cannot complain, and I'm not going to be hungry after I, I visit some of these amazing restaurants we have participating in Black Restaurants. Are, where are you, right? I know you're Atlanta-based. Are you there? Are you in New Orleans? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, but, okay. uh, but by the sound of it, man, I, you know, I'd love to get down there for that Thursday night game, man. Go Saints. <laughs> well, we're, we're not playing until Sunday. We got bucks at Bills on, uh, on Thursday night football, but yeah, man, come down for a Come down for a Saints-Falcons game. That's a good time. Definitely wear a Falcons uh, jersey. Walk around in the French Quarter. Let me know how that pans out for you, man. Hey, hey I'm, I'll make sure to bring my boxing gloves <laughs> while I'm at it. Uh, yeah, we'll go for a bike ride. I love it, Warren. Okay, uh, Black Restaurant Week is in its eighth year. You got the Gulf Coast campaign in its sixth year. Tell us about the journey and the impact of Black Restaurant Week since you launched it in 2016. Yeah, since 2016, we've had an opportunity to showcase just uh, the amazing work that black restaurants have been, been doing all over the country. Like so many other communities, restaurants uh, are, are really the backbone that provide uh, an opportunity for the community to come together, to, to eat, to fellowship. And we just want to provide an opportunity uh, to showcase some awareness to some amazing small business owners right there in New Orleans. Cool. Uh, the more than just a week campaign has been a focus of yours lately. What, are, what does that mean? What are your sort of key objectives there? What does more than just a week mean? Yeah, for us, we want you all to, to spend the time from, you know, October the 20th through the 28th uh, participating in Black Restaurant Week, getting a chance to really familiarize yourself with maybe some new restaurants that you haven't tried out before. But for us, it's about supporting these restaurants all year. So even when the campaign's over, we, we want the community to still go out and support these businesses uh, throughout the year because uh, they definitely can use your support. That's great. Um, okay, great. So the restaurant industry... 
uh, you know, writ large, has had some really serious challenges in the last couple of years, you know, between the pandemic and supply chain issues and labor issues. Um, how has Black Restaurant Week contributed to the recovery of Black-owned businesses during this time? Yeah, so in 2020, we uh, wanted to, to create a platform that provided business development uh, opportunities for some of these small business owners. And so we established a Feed the Soul Foundation. Feed the Soul Foundation supports uh, uh, minority businesses throughout the country by giving them $10,000 grants, mm. as well as pairing them with, with uh, business consultants for six months. Because it's a great thing to give these businesses uh, cash and capital, but if they don't know how to use it to create sustainability, it may not always go a long way. And so we work with these businesses to find out, you know, what type of consultants they want, anything from like a menu consultant yeah. to a website design. You talked about labor shortages. Uh, we, we partner with HR consultants to help uh, with staffing issues. But we really wanted to be a hands-on approach uh, to providing these businesses with resources for success. Great, great, great. Okay, um, your press release also mentions that, uh, what's it say here? I'm going to scroll down a little. Yes, right here. Less than 20% of U.S. employer businesses are minority-owned. I, I did not know that. That is uh, surprising to me. So how does, uh, how does your organization uh, plan to take aim at that disparity? Well, in, in addition to, uh, to providing the business grants uh, for for the foundation every year. We also provide things like emergency grant relief programs. So if a business has been affected by a natural disaster or break-in, then we provide some stipends to help them with their insurance deductibles. And we're also uh, huge advocates of the next generation of, of culinary professionals. And so we've been able to give out scholarships to, to students that, uh, that, that have an interest in hospitality as well as marketing. Uh, last year in uh, our campaign, over 15 different markets, we had an opportunity to celebrate over 1,700 businesses. And we look to continue to grow that number uh, this year in 2023. Wow. Okay. So um, let's see. How, how participating restaurants, they can join your organization at no cost, right? And they get back, uh, you know, you, you sort of act as an advisor. You give them these various marketing materials, digital assets that they can use. Explain how that trickles down, man, because I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's apparent to everybody how that benefits the restaurant, the owners and the people who work there. But there's this uh, knock on effect, right, where it, it impacts the broader economy in the local community. Say a little bit about that. Yeah, no, no. For us, we want to provide these restaurants with an opportunity to, to get that marketing platform that oftentimes they, they may not ha have an opportunity to receive. You know, as small business owners, they spend so much of their time, you know, working with the supply chain of, of just, you know, the food procurement, the back of the house, the staffing issues. And so through, uh, through our campaign, we really want to provide that marketing support, you know, that PR support, yeah. that digital social media support. You know, some of these auxiliary uh, uh, tools that are really necessary for any business to succeed. And, and so, uh, again, you know, it is more than just a week because we do need the community to come out and support. If uh, while patronizing these businesses, you're a small business owner yourself here in the community and you see an opportunity to elevate or, or uh, to, to raise, you know, some of these businesses, yeah. we would love for you all to collaborate, right? We, we really truly believe this is a grassroots effort. Even though it's a national campaign, this only works when we get the local, uh, local support. And so, again, we really appreciate opportunities to speak uh to, to partners like you in hell yeah i love grassroots efforts man i'm i'm just mr grassroots efforts a huge fan of that okay so um how can people learn more man how can people follow your work get information learn how they can get involved learn you know how they could get their restaurant involved if they don't know about it already 
Yeah, no, for sure. And, and so we built our website, Black Restaurant Weeks with an S, dot com, out like a directory. We know a lot of times people want to support these small business owners. They may just not know where they are. And so what we've done is we've built our website out to function as a directory. So you can literally put your zip code in. You can put your dietary restriction in. Mine personally nice. is, is, is Cajun. Uh, you know, and, and, and filter some of these other restaurants by, by, other, uh, by, by some of the other preferences they have, you know, some that are kid-friendly, some that have a patio. And so you can really use this uh, as a resource, not only when you're in New Orleans, but as you travel to other cities out, outside, of, uh, outside of Louisiana as well. Because, again, this Gulf Coast campaign is encompassing Alabama, Mississippi, as well as Louisiana. Very cool. Warren Luckett is the founder of Black Restaurant Week. Uh, thank you so much for your time and your work on this really important thing to do. Um, I think you probably have a really fun job and you really wake up every day and think, I'm going to help some people today. And I think that that's a blessing that uh, a, a lot of people get through life without. So uh, I'm glad for you, Warren. Thanks for your time today, man. Appreciate it. No, likewise. And thanks again for the opportunity. Absolutely. Come on down here. I'll buy you a Sazerac and we'll uh, go cheer on the Saints together here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Warren Luckett is the founder of Black Restaurant Week. There he goes. Um, I'm thinking about some of the black restaurants I know, or excuse me, the black-owned restaurants I know in New Orleans. Um, some of them are kind of hard to get a table at, you guys, because they're so popular. I think uh, I just wrote a couple down here. I know Sweet Soul Food, uh, which is all vegan. They catered my wedding. Uh, you probably know that my wife is a militant vegetarian, and she said, I will not have any animal flesh served at my wedding. I did not put up much of a fight. So we got sweet soul food, and everybody loved it. People keep telling me, you know, I went to that restaurant after I ate the food at your wedding. It was so good. Uh, the Munch Factory is another one. When I was given food tours in the Lower Garden District, and they had a location down there, and go in the Munch Factory with tour groups, and everyone was always so impressed with that food. They're back at their original Gentilly location now, I believe. Meals from the Heart Cafe in the French Market. Adis Nola Maro's on St. Claude Avenue is popping. Man, Maro's is a scene. So uh, get out there to support some minority-owned restaurants and enjoy some good food. We'll step away and get a look at traffic here in just a minute. And when we come back, we're going to be speaking uh, to Pond Dixon, who's the project leader and administrator of the <clears throat> Bayou Sauvage Urban National Wildlife Refuge Complex. I'm going to ask him about fires in the swamp, man. This isn't a joke. Those swamp fires, those marsh fires, those forest fires... Combined with all the smoggy fog and all that bad visibility, that led to a real serious, deadly incident on I-55 this week. So if this is a thing we're going to have to continue to deal with in the future, you know, increased droughts, more fires out in the swamp, um, we should know that. and We should be prepared for that threat. So I'm going to talk to Pond Dixon in just a minute about that. We'll step away and get a look at traffic with Courtney VIP. I'm Ian Hoke. I'll be right back. Oh, it's not Courtney, is it? Oh, sorry. It's... Hey, take it away, Dave. 320. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Seven here Monday on the Scoot Show during a discussion about that uh, horrible pileup on I-55. I think last I saw seven fatalities, dozens injured. It's just so sad. I am frustrated by that story. Uh, I don't know what that could have, how that could have been prevented. Um, you know, I'm not really an expert in, oh, the state police should have shut it down. Like, I don't know. I'm not ready to assign that kind of blame yet. But things like this happen more often than we realize, more often than we talk about. Like, if a plane crashed, and seven people died and dozens were injured, it would be wall-to-wall coverage for a week. It would be nationwide news if a train crashed and all those people died that way. But because it was cars, um, we don't really tend to think about that as something that could have been avoided or should have been avoided. It's just sort of the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. I don't know. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. Just something to examine later, perhaps. But during that conversation uh, on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and Text Line, which you probably know is 504-260-1870. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. I got a text from a man whose name is Pon Dixon on Monday, and he said, Hey, Ian, I just want to make sure that I get a chance for you guys to know that I need to make a quick correction here. The fire in Bayou Sauvage, and I'm kind of doing air quotes there, is in fact not in Bayou Sauvage. It's our neighbors. Uh, it's not actually part of the, the, it's not within the formal boundaries of the Bayou Sauvage Urban National Wildlife Refuge Complex. I texted that person back and I said, I'd like to learn more. And here is Pond Dixon. He's the project leader and administrator of the Bayou Sauvage Urban National Wildlife Refuge Complex. Mr. Dixon, welcome to the show. Thank you for making the time today. Uh, good afternoon, Ian. It's a pleasure uh, conversing with you. I listen to you all uh, on a regular basis. A great show. I'm pleased to hear it. Thank you so much. Okay, so did I did I get that right? The way I set that up when you texted me on Monday, you said the fires aren't actually, you know, within the boundaries of the wildlife refuge. It's next door, but we still kind of call it Bayou Sauvage. Am I getting that correct? Well, yeah, people have been calling it uh, Bayou Sauvage, but it's actually. Uh, next door to Biosauvage Urban National Wildlife Refuge, and it's uh, it's across the canal from the refuge, and it's, the fire's been burning for about a, a week, a little bit over a week. And it also, it's not a marsh fire; it's it's basically a traditional uh, forest fire. It's it's burning in right. what we call forested wetlands. Uh, so, 
uh, after listening to you all show uh, the other day, and I was like, I need to get the message out that uh, this is not a a marsh fire, and it is not on the on the wildlife refuge. So I just felt compelled to reach out to you all and explain t- uh, to everyone where the fire is burning. It's actually burning more towards uh, the the casino. There used to be a stands truck stop, and it's burning between the Maxon Canal and the Michu uh, Slip or the Michu Canal, most people call it. Yeah. So that's the location of the fire. I see. Well, I haven't been out there in a minute. I do. I've. Um... I like to go, you know, take a little walk out there on on the sort of boardwalk and just get some fresh air. Take my bike out there sometimes. Took a, an inflatable kayak out there on the canal. Just did that once because there was a little too 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 many alligators for me in my inflatable kayak. <laughs> Find some other place to do this, um, Mr. Dixon. Why is this happening right now? It seems like there's been this uptick in the number of uh, wildfires, forest fires, swamp fires, marsh fires. Generally, I've, I've been in Louisiana for 21 years now. And I don't remember this happening quite with the frequency or at least getting the attention it's gotten recently. What's changed? Yeah, the thing that has changed is that we are in a severe drought uh, throughout most of the United States, uh, particularly here in uh, Louisiana and more specifically here on, in Orleans Parish. Uh, we haven't had any substantial rain since early summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one little period there around July and August where we may have gotten two or three inches of rain, and most of that was on the North Shore. But here in the vicinity of Bayou-Fawage Urban Refuge and New Orleans East, we just have not gotten the adequate amount of rain, and the conditions are very, very dry and very prone to uh, uh, fires. Uh, Once again, this one here, we don't know the origin of the fire. We just know it started, uh, I think, last Saturday on the 14th. And it continues to burn. Matter of fact, I'm out in the area right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's this is this is happening throughout uh, Louisiana, where we have an unusually high number of, of wildfires burning. So. Are, are these fires more? Because I I came up in Colorado, where wildfires are just a constant menace. The year I graduated high school, there was a the Missionary Ridge fire in 2002, which really psychologically had a huge impact on on my community and everybody at my high school and my family and we've just kind of been chased around over the years by these fires but i mentioned that because those fires i think people understand pretty well how those are how those are combated how people go and put you know they take the planes with the slurry and they dump the you know fire retardant over the area and they dig dig little trenches that the fire can't get over and they send you know guys out guys and gals out there to to do some you know trimming of the forest and stuff how do you fight fires in these swampy marshy areas how is how is it different to fight a fire here than it is in say like canada or the mountain west or california well, earlier this year when we did have a fire on on Sauvage uh, Refuge, we fought it uh, similar to the way people out in the West fight fires. Okay. We, we brought a helicopter here, and we uh, did bucket drops on the fire. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, specialized equipment we call marsh buggies, uh, or marsh masters, rather. We bring those marsh masters out there, and we put containment lines around those fires, Uh What's likely different in the fire that's currently burning is that um, we feel that that fire probably has worked its way down into that organic layer that we refer to as peat. Uh, 
this is no longer an above surface fire. It's burning kind of slightly below the surface in that in all that organic material and, and that that generates a lot of smoke and it creates a lot of problems similar to the, the problem that we saw Monday morning. Uh, so in, and those peat fires are very, very difficult to to suppress mm-hmm. because they're burning in areas where we really don't know what the actual fire is. You see smoke, but where you see the smoke may not actually be where the fire is burning. The smoke can is just coming up in a place where it can escape. And you, you see it, but that fire may be burning several feet away from where you see the smoke. So uh, they're very difficult to to manage, uh, but you know, the best way to get this one out is that we get some substantial rain, or mm. do as we're doing now. We're we're actively flooding the area. We're we're we are actively releasing water from the refuge into the canals adjacent to the property, right. with hopes of raising the water level to help extinguish that fire. So, so we are taking efforts, and we want to be we're part of the community, and we want to help do our part in the community so uh so i have been advising people myself and another young lady named sammy gray we have been actively advising local officials on ways to approach uh suppressing this fire so we're going to continue to do that but once again we just want the people to know that it's it's not on our property uh but we are here willing to help in whatever way we can Great. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about your community work before we uh, end here, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this first. Um, describe the impact on the wildlife and the ecosystems that are most at risk from these fires. What is, what is the potential long-term effect on uh, you know, resilience, biodiversity, that sort of thing? What are you most concerned about when you learn that there's a fire out there? Our major concern, believe it or not, is not with the long-term sustainability of the wildlife because most wildlife in this area are, have adapted to fires prior to urban sprawl in the development sure. areas. Uh, these, these areas saw frequent fires. Uh, and actually, uh, we as humans actually burn the area to help promote wildlife and species diversity. So, so fire is an important part of the ecosystem. It's just that public safety component associated with uh, yeah. fires, uncontrolled or unmanaged fires. So the wildlife will be fine. Actually, uh, it'll be much better from a wildlife yeah. standpoint as a result of these fires. It's just, once again, that human element that comes into play. Uh, how do sure. we protect the lives of humans and and not have these pileups that we had uh, on I fifty five. Yeah. So yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm pleased with that. Um, yes, of course that that's intuitive. Even you know, wildfires aren't new. <laughs> since since there was a wilderness that could catch fire, mm-hmm. there have been wildfires. Right. It's just you know the human footprint, our buildings, our people, our commuters that are at risk because of these. Uh, various factors here. So I want to ask a little bit about, you know, uh, it, it might not be right to say the reason we're having this drought is because of climate change. I mean, it's, it seems it seems likely, you know, I'm 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 aware of, you know, climate change. I'm, I'm, I understand it. Um, how does how does climate change uh, affect your work? How does it how does it change what you do at the Bayou Sauvage Complex? Well, it, we, we have to adapt. For example, uh, with climate change, you have a rise in sea levels. You have 
uh, the water table rising. So uh, we try to go out there and do restoration projects uh, on the wildlife refuge in order to maintain enough, uh, in, in some cases, the emergent marsh. We, we go out there, we recycle Christmas trees. Uh, we do adaptive things in order to sustain the ecosystem. So climate change is, is real. Uh, uh, it's been happening for quite a while, and uh, more people are starting to understand and appreciate that this stuff does exist, and we all just have to work together to make sure that we can sustain not only uh, wildlife, but uh, human populations. So yeah. This does affect us. So it presents a, a, a challenge for, uh, for the staff at Bobby for Large Urban National Wildlife Refuge, but uh, we, we're doing some things out there uh, to help mitigate the climate change and and it may come a time when we have to totally change our approach and manage for a different species because the the, the ecosystems are changing so mm-hmm. uh, it, it does present some challenges for us cool i just got a couple minutes left here with you mr dixon um if you could quickly just kind of give us the elevator pitch like what what even is the bayou sauvage urban national wildlife refuge complex what does that mean that's a lot of words how, how does how, how does Bayou Sauvage different? Uh, how is it different from other wildlife refuges? Oh, what the biggest difference is that Bayou Sauvage, and that's the reason why it has the urban refuge, uh, urban in the name. Bayou Sauvage is located totally within the city limits of New Orleans. Oh yeah. Most refuges are out in rural areas, of course, uh, uh, along the countryside. But this refuge, once again, is totally within the city limits of uh, New Orleans. And we always say, uh, one of the young ladies that worked with me, uh, Shelly Sayers, always says, it's the other wild side of, of New Orleans. <laughs> and we get a lot of people to come here. Uh, we had a flamingo that showed up on the refuge about three weeks ago. We had hundreds and hundreds of people that came out just to see that flamingo. So, wow. so we like to pitch the wildlife refuge as a place that you can have economic growth and still in not pour down concrete and all that kind of stuff so this is a great place to visit a great place to see bird watching fishing uh canoeing just just basic outdoors uh activities that you can do on body football right okay last one mr dixon um uh, so, in, in, in look, in, in addition to, you know, cruising around in the marshes, uh, you know, conserving stuff, you also do a lot of outreach and education for youth in the region. What does that work like, and why do you think that's important? Oh, it is important because we want to get the message out about the importance of preserving the ecosystem and want people to have a clear understanding of how we fit into the ecosystem. And you can have both wildlife and people living in the same area in harmony. So that's the message I want to get out. So often people misunderstand things like snakes and alligators. They they are very afraid of those animals. And 35 years of doing this, I've uh, I've been bitten a couple of times by uh, alligators and snakes, but only because I mishandled those animals. But for the most part, they do not attack you. Uh, they're very passive uh, creatures and if you leave them alone and respect them, they will they will respect you. So uh, that's what we want the people to, to learn. That's why we are out in the communities, the schools, uh, and doing whatever we can to put that message out that we can live awesome. in harmony. And so, Love it. so great, so great job. Love it. Anything else you want our audience to know today, Mr. Dixon? Hey, 
come out and support uh, Barisovage Urban National Wildlife Refuge. It's truly a gem uh, located entirely within the city limits of Orleans, uh, New Orleans. And, and just come out and just enjoy. That's that's the takeaway message uh, we want God. the people to have. You know, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to get my bicycle out over there this weekend. I was looking for something to do on Saturday. I think I just found it. Pond Dixon is the project leader and administrator of the Bayou Sauvage Urban National Wildlife Refuge Complex. Thank you for your work and your way, Pond. Nice speaking with you today. You're absolutely welcome. Come out and visit anytime. You I surely you. will. We'll take, we'll take you out on a personal airboat ride. Great. I would rather that than my little inflatable kayak that I got on Amazon. I much prefer to be in an wait, airboat. Wait, wait, look, you have my name, <laughs> you have my number. Come on out, and we'll pass a good time on the volume. I appreciate that so much. Thank you, Pond. Take good care out there, man. Thanks again. Okay, we'll step away, and we'll come back with more of your uh, calls and comments on the Oakland Art Jewelers talking text line. It's 504 260 I got some reaction to uh, the conversation that I just had with Mr. Dixon and then some kind of uh, cringy texts in response to the conversation I had with Warren Luckett about Black Restaurant Week. I'll address those when I come back. <laughs> Let's take care of some business. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. Be right back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. On our website right now at WWL.com, headline reads, Florida man robbed a CVS with a note demanding, quote, all bottles of Viagra. From the article, a man was arrested in Orlando, Florida, after walking into a CVS drugstore with a handwritten note saying it was an armed robbery and that he was demanding, quote, all bottles of Oxycodone, hydrocodone, Xanax, Adderall, liquid codeine, and Viagra. Otherwise known as a Wednesday night at Matt Gates's house. This is an armed robbery, he wrote in the note. Please cooperate. I don't want to hurt you. You are not to alarm anybody, or I will, shirt, I will shoot the closest person to me. The Orlando Police Department shared a picture of that note on social media, noting that the man... He's 23 years old. He's now facing several robbery, trafficking, and possession charges for that robbery. Traveled there from Jacksonville to steal the narcotics and later confessed to carrying out a similar robbery in central Florida. Hmm. More details at WWL.com. Also on our website right now, some good news. Taco Bell has officially freed Taco Tuesday from its trademark. From the article, Taco Bell has officially won its fight over the Taco Tuesday trademark allowing the restaurant chain to use the phrase in all 50 states after a New Jersey restaurant parted ways with the term. The response we've seen over the last six months since taking action to free Taco Tuesday is the exact reason we felt it was worth freeing it in the first place, Taco Bell's chief marketing officer told CNN. The decision to relinquish the trademark means that that New Jersey restaurant Taco Bello and oh, wait, a minute, is that a typo? Taco Bell. What does this mean? The decision to relinquish the trademark means Taco Bello and... Oh, I see. No. Okay, yeah, that's that's a mistake. That should just say Taco Bell. Gregory's Restaurant is the one in New Jersey that had previously said nobody else can use Taco Tuesday because we trademarked it. That's nice. In other Taco Bell news, reading now from Fox59.com in Kokomo, Indiana, 
A photo shows a haircut happening in a Kokomo Taco Bell kitchen from the article. Two things that aren't supposed to go together, haircuts and fast food. But the Howard County Health Department has now opened an investigation into a Kokomo Taco Bell after reports of a new hairdo happening in the kitchen. I definitely know what kind of things you're not supposed to be doing inside of kitchens, said Jennifer Leaguer. Cutting hair is not one of them. Video shows a man getting a haircut in a Taco Bell kitchen. Gross. Weird. I like Taco Bell, though. On the Oakland Jewelers talking text line, that number, of course, is 504-260-70. I got some responses to uh, the conversation I had with that nice man, Morin Luckett in Atlanta, who's the uh, co-founder of Black Restaurant Week. Here's a text message that, sir, uh, this one says, I am sure you have already gotten several messages. It is racist to promote black-owned businesses. And you can spin that it is okay because of past discrimination, but it is still racism to only try to help one group of people based on race. Oh, you sweet summer child. I do not have the time or the crayons to explain to you why it's not racist to help one group of people based on race, but I can tell you why it's important to promote and support minority-owned businesses. A, number one, they typically start out with less money. Uh, you know, minority-owned businesses typically aren't as well capitalized right out of the gate. They get smaller and fewer business loans. This is not just anecdotal evidence. This is a thing that is documented. There are numbers that bear this out. They face disinvestment due to institutional racism. It's harder for them to secure capital investment for a lot of different reasons. But, I mean, racism is up there. So I think it's okay to ask these questions. Uh, Another person had asked, when is white restaurant week? Which is just exactly like asking, why is there, you know, uh, why isn't there white entertainment television? The reason these things exist, you guys, is that for too long, white people held all the levers of powers in all these different parts of our society and our economy, and they specifically kept black people out. So nobody should be surprised that black members of our society and other minority groups in our society had to go out and do their own thing. They said, well, nobody is supporting our restaurants, so we're going to create a foundation to support our restaurants. We're going to call it Black Restaurant Week. We're not allowed to participate in the Miss America pageant, so we're going to create the Black Miss America pageant. We don't feel like we're well represented on network television, so we're going to create black entertainment television. And yes, things have gotten a lot better since then, But nobody should expect that any of these institutions or organizations are just going to go away like racism is over. It doesn't quite work like that. I'll come back and say goodbye after we take care of a little bit more business here. Ooh, here's Three Dog Night. Here's Three Dog Night. (laughs) You know the words. Are you sure it's almost over? I feel like we got three more hours left in us. We got three more hours? That's what it feels. It feels like we're just getting started, right? I know. This went really fast. Well, we'll just pick it up where we left it off tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Coleman. Sports Talk is next. I'll be right back on WWL. Tomorrow on the Scoot Show with guest host me, Ian Hoke, we're going to talk to Dr. Roy Salgado about how do we protect our mental health while we're keeping tabs on the Israel-Hamas war. In the first couple days, I just watched a lot of videos and looked at a lot of photos, and I kind of wish that I hadn't. It 
kind of made me spiral out a little bit. We'll talk to Dr. Salgado about that. Also, in regard to Israel Hamas, disinformation is being used as a weapon in new and frightening ways. How do we fight back? How can we separate fact from fiction when it's a matter of life and death? And then we're going to take a good long look at the history of Iran in the 20th century and how American interference, uh, interference in Iranian affairs actually changed the course of history in the Middle East. We'll have Beruz Moazami back on the program. I want to thank Coleman, Diane, Kevin, Scoot, and everybody for listening and texting and calling and participating today. Sports Talk is next, and I'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, with more great stuff. And then again on Friday. Thanks for being with us. Y'all have a good night. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.